We're going to turn to Colossians. Can turn on the mic on, please. Check, check, check. I just wanted to Okay. Uh, Colossians 1 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him every day in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. It's hmm. the word of God. Maybe see it. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Okay, guys, we are in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1, uh, during our new series of Colossians, uh, seeing the reality that God makes us free, he breaks us from the chains. Um, we're going to walk through this. Um, hopefully we'll deeply be encouraged in our faith. Let me uh, seek the Lord for us, and we're going to jump right in, okay? Dear Jesus, we just continue to, just to trust you, as we just asked before. We just pray, Lord, would you use this time to allow us to experience uh, great um, joy in worshiping you. So I want to pray for that. Free us, Lord, to be excited and to uh, just just be passionate and just wanting Christ. We pray for that in this body, Lord. Would you be gracious to us? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Use me, Lord. Amen. Okay, so uh, the Lord uh, Jesus through Paul, uh, we see Paul beginning this um, this section uh, by first, you know, verses one through eight, uh, encouraging the believer, saying, man, you guys are awesome. Uh, we looked at uh, last week. Uh, we were seeing you have this faith. You have this love. You're uh, and it's all stemming from a hope you have in Christ, uh, which all is girded in the gospel, the, the good news of who Jesus is. Uh, and now we move on. He said, you guys are we, you were encouraged. The gospel is going forth. Um, Praise the Lord. He's just so encouraged by this body. And he continues on and he begins to say, um, and so and so because um, we're so encouraged um, because you guys are doing well, which I think is very interesting. He says, uh, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Uh, it's very interesting uh, that that he has not he hasn't stopped ceasing praying for these guys and they're doing well. Whereas a lot of times when I think of prayer, I think you pray for people when they're not doing so well. And so as we look at this text here, I want you to be just, you know, have a couple of things bouncing around your mind. Uh, the concept that, man, here is a prayer to the saints. OK, and so be thinking about that. I mean, there's so many things you can be asking yourselves. First, you can be asking yourselves, do I pray for the saints? Do I pray for believers? Do I pray for MacAv? Do I pray for this leadership? Because we're seeing it modeled here. And then what's my concept of prayer? Do I just pray when I feel like, oh, people need prayer. You're in trouble. You need prayer. Or do I find myself always praying for those who are needy, as it were, that we can see? But do we also find ourselves praying for those who are needy because we're all needy? And that both good and bad, when we're doing whatever, is still under the model of grace. And so we all still need Christ. 
So he says, and so from the day we've heard, we have not ceased. We're still praying uh, for you. And he's saying, look what he's look what he's praying for. And now notice this. I want you to notice what he prays for for these people. Okay, for these Colossians. Uh, first, he prays. He says that you may be filled. Can we go on. Now, what does Paul mean by field? Well, this, is, this makes sense. Issue of maximization, right? Uh, the sense of like something like some sort of overflowing, right? It's almost a sense of like if you have a cup and if it's filled, if you move it just a little bit, it'll spill over. Uh, and I want you to I want you to keep in your mind as we're trying to understand what is Paul trying to get to. I want you to look at some of the vernacular, some of the language he uses. We're going to see a lot of all and field and ever more like this, this knowledge, this, 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 uh, these words of like, you can't get more of this. And I want you to ask yourself, why does he choose that so much in Colossians? And then consider who we're talking to. OK. His point here, maximization, is that you can't get more into this space. He's saying, I want you to have so much of whatever it is that you can't get more of it. And there's a couple implications there, guys, that he's saying for you and me. He's saying that that, that's a possibility that we could be filled, that we can have all of God. We can we can be experiencing Christ. We talked about hunger for God when we were fasting. Remember that? And I was saying uh, one of the things I thought John Piper did so well when he when he when he exposes, when he shows us what the text means uh, when it's a Christian fast. What makes a Christian fast different than a, a fast of someone who doesn't know Christ? Uh, or what makes a Christian fast different than what you saw even in the Old Testament where, man, they were fast and tear themselves and they would say, Lord, I need more, as it were, of you. But what's interesting, the Christian fast is that Jesus is saying, no, you have all of me. But a Christian fast says, you, I have you, I have all of you, Jesus, and I just want more. There's a sense of like you're overflowing and you want to continue to overflow. And it seems this picture is that Paul is saying that this is a possibility that you and I could be experiencing an overflow. We don't have to have our tanks half empty or empty. But that the Lord is saying by God's grace through Paul, he's asking these guys to be filled. Why do I linger there? Because it's going to make sense in a moment. It's going to make sense in the morning. Moment. Continue on, please. Now, what are they to be filled with? According to the text. Look at the text, guys. The scriptures say you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. OK, the knowledge of his will. Continue on. Now, let me ask you guys this question. What comes to mind when you think of theology and doctrine? Shout some stuff out. And don't be all spiritual. Tell me what you really think. Sorry. It's confusing. Yeah, thank you. Rules. Confusing. Rules. We got two Christians in the house. Dry. Facts. Heavy. Rules. Okay. So, so the funny thing is I think we can say, I mean, I know we want to re- renew our mind because we're Mac Ave, baby. But we, 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 we can think like, man, theology, doctrine. I had a guy, actually, when we were in Africa, uh, one of the guys we worked with at the Christian organization, who's one of the main leaders, um, he said to us, he was like, because, you know, we were writing stuff and we were like, they had me, do, I think I don't know if I led a Bible study or so, and I was like very serious about the doctrine. And he was like, Eric, I just, you know, sometimes I just get confused. No, and then he, they were going to church. He was reading some information that would happen about a church. And I was like, I was um, challenging some of the suppositions he had from a sermon he had heard. 
And he said to me, well, Eric, you know, I sort of spend all my time critiquing sermons because I feel that what it does, it takes a devotion out of it. And I just want to, you know, I just want, I want to be spirit-filled and spirit-led so I don't find myself sitting around just critiquing sermons. His implication was first, I'm too, you know, I'm too anal and I'm critiquing sermons. I need to lighten up. And, and also that there's some sense of like you, you're really more spirit-filled when you don't care about doctrine. Do you hear how crazy that is? When he said it to me, I kind of looked down in the air and I thought, man, I need to write a document. And that's how I wrote the importance of right doctrine. The one in your, in, in your binder. It was stem because I had a conversation with this brother and I thought, man, I need to write a document. I need to write a document about this because this is what we think. We think for some reason that doctrine and theology and then we think dry, uh, we think hard hearts, we think arrogance, we think uh, rules. Uh, and that's why you hear things, you know, people say, well, are you going to cemetery or seminary? Uh, you, have you heard that joke that people call seminary cemetery, right? The people go, oh, my goodness, Eric, if you go to seminary, you're not going to love God anymore. Isn't that kind of weird? That's where you go to be trained to right, be a Christian minister. Now, am I, do, I not, do I not understand a reality that there can be great arrogance in knowledge? I understand the scriptures talked about knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. But he doesn't say that to neglect knowledge. He says that to give us wisdom and understanding and clarity and discernment of how to use knowledge. Right. So it's very interesting that we can get very nervous when we think about knowledge and we think about doctrine and theology. But have you noticed something here? Look what he says. He says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So I'm proposing to you. That the very thing that we're scared of or that we give, we downplay. And I want you, I want to hear this in the depths of our heart. If you are, if you are one of those downplayers where you kind of say, I know I'm supposed to want to read the Bible, but man, do I really got to study it? I'm proposing that the verses we're reading right now is saying it's of utmost importance to Paul. He's actually saying that you can't understand God's will without knowledge. You hear that? Someone else doesn't like that. I'm proposing without understanding the scriptures, you can't understand Christ. Paul says, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Let's continue on, please. Look what he does here. He says, let's talk about knowledge for a moment. I want to prove this to you. Because he, just, he is saying... That, man, we should be like, wow, doctrine, theology, what should come into our mind is an opportunity to experience Christ, an opportunity to commune with the Lord, an opportunity to have true knowledge, wisdom of the Holy One and present him to a world with clarity. Not, oh, man, really? Oh, that's so much work. Oh, that, but that takes me away from my spirituality. I'm proposing your spirituality is informed when you know God. He uses the word epigenosis here. Uh, I put epi because, you know, nosognosis uh, is, is, is to know. But he uses a preposition here in Greek, and I usually don't do this, but it's very important here because he's trying to, he's, again, he's, remember those words I was telling you about? He's talking about those, those deep, he's like, I want you to understand the deep, profound information of God. Now, why does he do that? Why is he doing this? Why is he saying deep and all? We'll get to that in a moment. But remember that he's using these words. So so Paul views knowledge actually in a way that he's saying it is it is essential. It is a necessity. 
It is extremely important. It, it, without it, we can't be whom God wants us to be. We can't be who the Lord wants us to be without understanding who Christ is. Okay. <laughs> Just like, that makes sense. Move on, brother. So, amen, right? Be filled with the knowledge of his will. This concept of, uh, of will. It says, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. So we know he wants us to have knowledge. Okay, but specifically of what? Of his will. So knowledge of God, well, his will. This the sense of when you think of, when you hear the word will, and as you read the word will in scripture from now on, think of the, think of the concept of pleasures and desires. So, like, what does God desire? What does Jesus like? What are his pleasures? And he's saying that he wants you and me to be filled with God's pleasures, with God's desires. Whoa, 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 whoa. So that means he wants me to say, okay, how do I do a, a, a transfusion? Because I got all my desires and all my pleasures and the things I want. And he's saying, no, I want these people to be filled with who God is and what he likes, what he desires, what pleasures him. And for that to flow. How does that happen without us understanding the scriptures? It can. I want us to deal with that. And if you and we can you can push back because I'd rather you push back now. And we have to just wrestle with the clarity of the scripture here that, yeah, it's that unsexy. The Bible is extremely important. It is not Jesus, but it's the revelation of God. This is his specific revelation to us, not just going around chasing spirits and all the other stuff that we're asked to do. This is the revelation that God has given us for the people of God to know him and to walk with him. The scriptures, Frank, buddy. Hmm. Man, that's a good question. So, so Frank is saying, man, it seems so clear. And then we have history. I mean, the reality is, again, the way the first century Jews, even the Hebrews of old, I mean, they memorized the Bible. Uh, they, they just talked about the scriptures. They had stories. I mean, it was so normal. Like the way we do YouTube and Facebook was the way they did the scriptures, the way they did their history. How, what, what happened? Sin. I mean, I, can, I, I don't know that I don't know the specific, you know, I don't have the timeline, but there's something that for us, we, we want we want to do two things. We just want to write our own story. And, and and the only way we can write our own story, if we put our fingers in our ears and act like there's not another story that's bigger than ours. Right. If we all submit, you know, like, it's like when you share your faith. Right. If I'm with an unbeliever and I can get them to agree with me that the Bible is the word of God, it is on. Because I go, oh, so I ain't got it. Okay, well, you believe the Bible's word of God. Let's open up the Bible. Let's see what they say about Christ. But you know, that usually doesn't happen, right? Because they're not going to submit themselves to this telos to this end. Because, you know, if, if you say you submit, if you, if you say as a Christian right now, and we have this all the time, you submit to the scriptures, then what we do, we either say, no, no, I don't. Or we say, well, that's, that, that sounds good for you, and this is good for me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And we'll get to that in a moment. So, yeah, uh, sin, man, we, we just want to write our own story. And I'm proposing, guys, here's something that we got to be very careful of, is our tendency is to figure out a way to make the scriptures speak to us with no cost. How do we get the powerful word of God 
to just be witchcraft for me and to bless me and to give me stuff and help me through my day. But really, don't, I don't listen to the Bible and I don't want to get gain exegetical skills because if I actually find out what Jesus tells me, my life is going to change. And that's scary. That's scary for all of us in our old nature. So. His will, his his pleasures, his desires. You think about that? Do we pray like that? Do I pray? I'm like, man, I'm so convicted. I pray for our body, our people to be filled with his pleasures and his desires. Do you pray for that for me and my family and our staff team? This is what he prays for people who are doing really well spiritually. Let's continue on, guys. So look, look, notice what he does here. So he tells us, he says, hey, I want them to be filled with the knowledge of what? Of his will, of God's will. What's his pleasures? So what's God's pleasures? What's his will? What, do you want, what does he want you to be about? About him. So now do, you, do we see why we're in mad group talking through scripture? Do you see why we just see it's so important to, be, to have some kind of a, a book and then say, hey, now let's look through some different systematic doctrines in the scriptures and see what the Bible says about these things while we're trying to train you and prepare you so that we can walk with the Lord and have, and have an understanding of what God says and have a passion for truth and to stand up for truth? Do we now see? This is important. The stakes are high. Paul assumes this family. He assumes it. And that's why Satan, man, doesn't he try to rob you of this? Come on, y'all. You know, there's no places where you don't get attacked and when you're praying and trying to read the Bible. Man, you're reading the Bible and all you can think of an Oreo cookie. You know, you're like, why am I thinking of Oreos? I'm trying to read Colossians. You know, you get attacked. So look what he does here. He modifies. He says, so be filled with the knowledge of his will. And I love he says, in spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he, look what he does here. He adds on again. He, it's almost like saying all wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. He adds his modifier. Why? Let me just give it away real quick and we'll keep seeing this. The reason why he gives you all and he talks about field and spiritual this and he keeps adding these things on is because he's talking with a people who's doing two things. You got great arrogance. You got people who are getting into Gnosticism or 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 sort of like, you know, you got the Greeks, you know, who thought, man, wisdom was was the end. Like if I just was wise, if I had wisdom. And so they were really trying to chase after wisdom and knowledge. And, And so you had people in Colossians who were trying to find like there that there was this higher meaning. okay, that there was more. There was more here to God than Jesus. okay, that you can be more filled if you did something or you knew something. And so Paul is going to continue to do this all throughout the book. He's going to continue to say something that's so unsexy to you and me, but it's so true. And that is you get fullness and completeness in Christ alone. That's why he's saying, if I tell you, you can be filled with spiritual knowledge and wisdom, filled by understanding and then gaining knowledge, understanding and wisdom. He's saying you can't get more. There's no there's no room for adding this thing on or doing this ritual or having this spiritual experience or doing this or doing this miracle. He said you can do all that, but that doesn't make you more filled. Jesus tips the scale alone and he makes you and me wrestle throughout this book and every book and your practical life. If we're honest, he makes us wrestle. Is Jesus enough? Is just walking with the Lord enough? 
reading my Bible and praying. Sometimes I don't even know if I'm near God. I get up in the morning and I'm depressed, but I say, I think you rose for me. Is that enough? Is it enough to just simply not cheat on your wife and to just want to present your kids a true gospel? Is that enough? Is it enough to just want to cook dinner for your neighbors and just faithfully just love on them and figure out ways to allow them to experience Christ? That seems so unsexy. People are doing all these other amazing things. Am I getting all of Jesus? And he says, yes. The resurrection is enough. Trust in Christ and a resurrection. Why do you need more? Why do you need the super miracle? Why do you need these tongues? Why do you need all these things? You can have them. But if you put any focus on them, you don't get it. The resurrection is enough. Christ alone. That's why he continues to talk about filled. Filled with knowledge. Why? So now these guys can't go, well, what about this? No, no, I say filled. Ain't no more. You're going to get all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's no more, isn't there more understanding if I do this and if I do that? I'm a monastic and if I do this? No, 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 no. You get all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see that, guys? He's bringing you and me to our brink to say, I want you to confess with the saints of old that Christ is enough. You and me. It's enough just to walk with Christ for a lifetime and be faithful and die and live again. Look what he says. He says spiritual wisdom and understanding. So let's unpack that. Continue on, please. All right. Let's talk through this, guys, real quick. 16. How do we grow as spirit-filled, image-bearing, God-glorifying believers? That's just saying the same thing, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, and we hear this all the time. Why is this important? This is so important in our day. You know, my mom, <laughs> you know, because I, I teach. I, Sarah says the story so much better than me. I always butcher the stories. But she was just trying to talk. She was, like, talking about me one day. And, I, you know, I have crazy issues with my family. My mom's not a believer. And, and she gets kind of frustrated. And she said, um, my son, he... For one reason, she was just trying to be upset with us. She was like, he teaches the Bible. He doesn't preach. And so we was like, I don't know what we, what our next question was. You know, we were like, well, what does it look like to preach? You know, I was trying to confront her a little bit. Like, what are you talking about? And so she was like, um, well, you know, those people who, you know, when you get really emotional, spirit field, you know. And you see that? You see what, right there, we just, we just lost the meaning. We in America, well, <laughs> all the world, we think spirit field is emotionalism. Okay, and that's why people say things like my little baby girl, she's so spirited. What does that mean? What do you think? Do you think she's meditating in a corner when you hear that word? Spirited. No, she's running around crazy, breaking your stuff. That's what you mean. Right. When you hear that spirited. And then what we've done is we've, we've taken an implant. We placed it in theology. And we really think you're spirit-filled when you can scream the loudest or run around the fastest or pray first. Versus obey Christ. And I want to prove to you by God's grace today through the scriptures that you're spirit-filled when you're obeying the Lord. Do you hear me? You are spirit-filled when you're obeying Christ. When you're letting God be God in your life. Now let's talk about this, guys. This is why we get nervous, because you can be an arrogant jerk by reading the Bible, okay? But reading the Bible is not enough. And Paul has an assumption here, so I wanted to um, process the assumption so we can all be on the same page. Uh, the assumption is this. You can have knowledge and it be totally abhorrent to God. Because knowledge alone is not the assumption here. And that's why he says knowledge of his will, which provides spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
So let's, let's define these. You can have knowledge and gain facts, right? Knowledge is just fact. That is just fact gaining, you know. Uh, collect, you can collect, remember, access information. This person can know the scriptures. Still doesn't please God. Because knowledge has to move toward understanding. Okay? You know knowledge is moved toward understanding when you take facts and then you get the meaning out of the information which births principles. Okay? So, that's Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is wise and skillful living. What you have is a book of saying, these are understandings. So you have knowledge, here are the facts, you get the facts, and then you understand what they mean, but you still haven't pleased God yet. You have knowledge, then you have understanding. If you stop there, you haven't done what you're called to do as a believer. Because finally, now you have to apply the understanding to real life circumstances. That's wisdom. If you don't get to wisdom, you haven't done anything. Wisdom is feet to information. So you have information, facts. Now you need to understand what they mean. And then when you apply them, you are now wise. And the sad thing, guys, is that we as people have to be careful because what we do, especially in a body like this, because I feel like we get strong teaching, but man, it's something that I've been, I've been leading you in and we've been talking about for three, four years, and you still haven't applied it. And that is called folly. That's called foolishness in the scriptures. When you have the opportunity to have knowledge and understanding and you don't use it toward wisdom, the Bible says you are stupid. Let me give you a practical example. Continue on, please. Matthew 7, okay? Great verse. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Um... Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? This is Jesus talking to, uh, talking to people about what does it mean to be a kingdom person, guys. Verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me, speak, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Okay. So here's what happens. Some of us, we, can, we look at this, and, you know, you go to churches, people read this and they'll, they'll talk, they'll use this and they'll say, hey, the Bible says don't judge. Okay. So what they've done there, and maybe what you've done and you can repent, you know, in your own heart. Is, is you've taken knowledge. You have, you know the facts. The Bible says do not judge. Okay? Judge not that you be not judged. Okay. But here's the thing. They have no understanding because the Bible isn't telling you not to judge. That's not what this text is saying. This text is actually telling you judge, but it's saying judge with right motives. Judge with right discernment. Let me explain it to you. Judge not that you be not judged. Then he says, look, look at the speck. 
You got the dude has a speck in his eye. You got a big old plank in your eye. And here you are talking all this jazz about him. Does he say, well, don't judge him? No, 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 no. His whole point here is let's get some humility and discernment, young brother and sister. First, deal with your own sin. Wait a minute. And then go judge him. You see that? Now you can deal with your brother because you can see clearly. See, so this is not about, oh, we as believers, I'm proposing to you, that was the, that was the modus operandi for the Old Testament church. That's the modus operandi for us today, even though we don't do it. The mode of operation is for you and me to keep holiness in the camp. Now, I know that's hard for you and me because we're a bunch we're sinners and we're jacked up. And you think in your life, you go, man, how am I going to do this? I mean, I just looked at that girl and I, just, I mean, I'm so jacked up. Well, that's actually, that's actually healthy. You see your sin, you're repentant of your sin. You see, as it were, your plank. You can speak clearly to somebody, actually. Because you don't judge on your moral high ground. You judge on Christ. That's what you miss. You miss your prophetic voice because you think you've got to be perfect. No, you need to trust the perfect one. And then you can judge appropriately. So, now, you get knowledge and understanding. So what he's saying here is he says, hey... You know, when there's a log in your own eye, verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See that? You see clearly, what he wants you to do? He wants you to still take the sin out of his eye. You're still called the judge. And then, look, to prove that, if you're going, oh, yeah, I got to think you. No, look what he says here. His whole point in verse 6 is that whole concept of judging. You always thought somebody just added that to be funny in the Bible, didn't you? He says, do not give the dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What's his point there? The pearls represent wisdom, right? His point is, hey, now if you're going to do this, guys, make sure you're doing it with people who are humble and teachable. Because you know we've all experienced this. You tell, you tell somebody, hey, man, I think you shouldn't be doing this, and they cuss you out. Right? And you're like, whoa, I, just, I thought I was being kind. I prayed about it, and you know, I went over, I was nice. I gave you a cupcake. We baked some cakes. We had some tea. And we hung out for a while. We, you know, and then I, just, I brought this little issue, and you cussed me out. What happened, Jesus? Well, what you did, you didn't realize that they were unteachable. And then you brought wisdom. You brought pearls to this person. And then what they did, they beat you up. They trampled you. And so Jesus is saying, guess what? You, can, you judge, but when some people don't want to hear the gospel... When they play you, you've been trying to talk to your, your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, your friend for so long, and they're just unteachable. God says, you're now being unwise to continue to say, no, 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 you need to listen. If they're unteachable, he says, what you're doing right now is you're throwing your wisdom to pigs. Do you see that? You see that? So his point here is you take a risk. And you put the wisdom out there. But eventually when you see people, the Holy Spirit just not working, you trust Christ. You go, man, I can't keep throwing my wisdom here. So I'm going to live a gospel-centered life. I'm going to love you. But until I see teachability, I'm not going there because you don't want the wisdom of God. You don't want the pearls. And I'm tired of getting beat up. Okay, let's talk through that. So you can have knowledge. You understand the text now today. If you keep going in that abusive relationship, keep trying to tell that person something about Christ, and they keep cussing you out and dogging you, and you're not praying for them, and you're not trying to be discerning, I'm proposing you're not experiencing the wisdom of the text. Do you see the, do you see the correlation? Do you see the step stool? You can have the knowledge. You can have the understanding. God says, now what I want you to do is to actually apply it. And that's when it becomes wisdom. 
And that's what God wants you and me to do through our whole life, moment by moment, day by day. And that's what he's talking about, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's asking you and me to say, by understanding what God says, it's not about just knowledge here, guys. He's saying, though, you have to understand. You have to read it. We have to understand it. And then we have to apply it. And that's how we do exegesis. Cool? Let's continue on, please. This is, this is what he's praying. So he's praying this. He's saying, I want our people to, to be filled with Christ. And how are they filled? The Bible's clear. They're filled when they understand Christ. And they apply Christ. Oh, here's another one. Uh, this, just to prove like an issue of, uh, he says, this is a spiritual piece. As we impart the, this in words, not taught by human wisdom, uh, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This point of this text here in First Corinthians 2 is this. He says spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want to make it really clear here. This is not an a, 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 um, a exercise of getting smarter. And that's why we got to be we got to be very careful. I'm watching our body. We have to build the discipline again of praying before we read the scriptures. When you read the Holy Scripture, you shouldn't be running up to it like it's like, you know, what I'm saying some some novel you read on the beach. This is the Bible. OK, God is supernaturally speaking to his people. And so with great humility, we need to come to the Lord and say, Holy Ghost, would you, un- I pray right now, I got, I'm, con- I'm so confident in myself, I got these degrees, I think I can notice stuff. Would you allow me to be humble? And would you allow me to understand your text for the people of God? And so every time you're reading the Bible in your devotions, your quiet time, preparing for discipleship, ministering, whatever it is, we need to be coming to the Lord in prayer because, guys, this stuff isn't spiritually discerned. And that's why unbelievers look at you and you start talking about the wisdom and knowledge of God, pure. Think about it, pure, unadulterated wisdom. You're talking like not touched at all, unadulterated. The scriptures is pure. And people will say that to you. You know you silly. You know you young. And the people will go, man, that was really wise what you said. And our flesh is going to go, I know, thank you. But no, it's because you're you're quoting the scriptures. You're thinking about the things of God. You're talking from God's perspective. And then you seem wise beyond your years. You know why? Because it's God's wisdom. But he says, it's not spiritually discerned. You can't just come up with this stuff. I don't care that you're a doctor and you're a lawyer. This is from God. And we need to have humility. The scriptures say, natural person can get this. The spirit, the ruach, the, the wind of God has to breathe that into you and me. Continue on, please. I want you to be filled with this spiritual wisdom and understanding. You can't get more of this. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing, increasing in the knowledge of God. Saying, look, so when all that happens, all that we've just talked about, family, right? When that happens, look what he says happens. Okay, now, wait a minute. What did we say happened? We said, when we start... When God said he fills us by us understanding who God is, that's it. We apply who God is. So on the same page, what does he say? You now will begin to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. There's a debate if these are appositions. That means you're saying the same thing in different ways or if there's different measures of what does it mean to experience Christ. I think they both, they, they both kind of end in the same lane of, man, you get to have worship be your lifestyle. You get to have worship be your lifestyle. 
Now, are you see where I'm going there? The conclusion is, is you get, when you get the fullness of Christ, we be like Christ. Now, let me unpack some things. When I look at this, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. I look at that word pleasing, I thought to myself, huh, how many, I wonder, how many in our body think God is pleased with them? I was like, hmm, I wonder how many in our body, when they think of God looking at them, do they just feel like he's like, like a gag reflex? Do they just feel like, you know, even as we talk about, as we talk about the gospel, our, our understanding of justification, the reason we always talk about the ontological piece, the piece that God looks at actually you, he actually looks at you as pleased, because I think when we talk Jesus, I think we miss something. So Jesus dies and, and he saves us, right? And he's our king. But Christ, what, what he does is he makes you righteous. So, and I think for a while, we, we actually see it almost like, actually like Jesus kind of stands in front and doesn't allow God to see us. The Father see us. So God's like, well, who? And Jesus like, no, no, no. You know, just stand with me. Like a cartoon. You know what I'm saying? As if he, if he saw you, he'd be like, oh, I see him. Kill him. And it's almost like we see our spiritual life like that. You know? Versus no, because because Christ, what Christ did, he was pleased, pleased in Christ. And because you have received Christ and Christ has made you new, he's pleased in you because of Christ. It's not that he's just pleased in Christ and doesn't really like you, but he has to let you in because of Christ. How many of you guys think that's the gospel? That's not the gospel. You're not in heaven and then God is going, hi, Jesus. Hi, Eric. Hi. That's not what's happening. And it's very interesting knowing how do we see God viewing us. Even this text here, you think, oh man, I gotta do something so he can be pleased. You look at do you look at that and go, okay, I gotta do something. And then he'll then he'll finally like me. I know he loves me because of the gospel and he's God of love, but I don't think he likes me. Okay, one more thing, I gotta do that. You look at this text and you in your heart you want to cry because you know. You don't think God really appreciates and loves you. But I want to propose to you that this vernacular, this language here isn't simply like him saying you need to do more. Actually, this is Paul saying that when you, when we experience the fullness of God, we actually get to be whom we're always supposed to be. And that he's saying this is what it looks like to be who you're supposed to be. It's not that you have to do it to get justification, but when you're justified, you actually do these things and you're pleasing to Christ. Do you see the difference? Fully pleasing to him. He says we get to walk in a manner worthy. I love this bearing fruit in every good work. Continue on, please. Let's talk about that. Bearing fruit. All right, guys. What is the fruit of a believer is a question. Now, I put the word ministry trophies up there. That's not to be an automatic negative term. It's just a reality. I want us to research, I want us to search our hearts, though. Say, so do we, you know, do you think, wow, you know, like now I got fruit. And you think of the process of converts, you think of disciples, you think of gospel conversations, how many meals you made for somebody. And you, you can kind of think of all these things. When you think on mission and you think of fruit bearing, you can think of your love, your deeds of love. Right? Is that what you think of? Right, yeah. I'm, I, I, me too. I want to propose to you that that's some measure of fruit bearing. But I love what's happening here, what's happening through all the texts um, as, as you read the Bible. And I don't think we really get this, but I want to make this really clear, guys. The Bible 
is saying that deeds of love is one aspect of fruit bearing. You know, it's funny. I think we missed a major aspect. What's the major aspect? Godly character. Do you see your godly character as being fruit bearing? When you think of bearing God's fruit, do you think, yeah, being kind? But here's what's interesting. Look at the scriptures. Look at what Galatians talk about with fruit. Think of how we think of fruit. All right, think of how you think of fruit, doing stuff. Look what Galatians says, being someone. You see the difference? This is the fruit passage. Okay, you, oh, you're proof texting. Well, let's keep going. Okay, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Guess this thing, there is no law. Continue on, please. Look what it says. Ephesians 5, another passage on spirit. It's talking spirit-filled. Again, these are people. Remember what we're talking about? We're talking about people here who, are, who have a tendency, like you and me, to want to add a little something more to Christ. You want to add a little something more to really being spiritual. If I just have fill in the blank. Well, he says here, fruit of the spirit are these character pieces. Now hear me. Notice this. When you talk about fruit in the scriptures... There is not one, you don't see him talking about miracles. You don't see him talking about crazy works. Do I, are those key? Yes. Did God do things? Yes. But I'm proposing to you that he's saying, I want you to get it that Christ is enough. Look what he says here. Do not get drunk with wine, it's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How do you spill with fear? I mean, uh, spill with the I feel the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord, and you're with your heart giving thanks always. Huh? What does that mean here? Again, making your life a worship service, right? Giving thanks, just honoring the Lord, loving God. None, there's none sexy about it. I just, I'm just blown away at how Orthodox Christianity is kind of boring. And it's totally pleasing to Christ. Look what it says here. Continue on. Which is the additive. Continue on, please. Which is the additive of Ephesians. He says, Colossians 3. Right? So they think that these are, if you notice, and this is to the same kind of enactment that you just got from Ephesians 5. You see the same here. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He could have just said, be filled with the Spirit. Look. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, sing, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Same vernacular. You hear that? It's like we just looked at that. Do you just look at that verse? Yeah, kind of. So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you go to the, the last, um, the one we just went to? Okay. Here he says we feel the Spirit. Go to the next one. Here he says that the Word of Christ dwell in you, dwell in you richly. So could it be that being filled with the Spirit is letting Christ, the Word of Christ, dwell in you richly? Could it be? Could it be passionately pursuing and understanding who God is and then understanding and letting that lead to wisdom and being courageous and applying God's Word to your life is being filled with the Spirit? Could it be? Of course it is. It's exactly what the scriptures are saying to you and me. It's exactly what Paul is praying for these people. Isn't that awesome? It's so boring. and so true. 
and so clear. And we all know what the Lord wants us to be about. But it's just not that sexy. That's what he prays for, for his people. Continue on, buddy. He says, when all that's working out, may you be strengthened. You know, some, some texts don't even have a period here. Because it's almost like a continuation. It's almost like bearing good fruit, increasing knowledge of God. And may you be strengthened with all power. Again, there's that all again. Well, all power. He's saying you don't get more from doing something else. Now, this is according to his glorious might for the endurance and patience, for all the endurance and patience with joy. Look what he says here. He says, do all this. You get the joy and power. And then he gives you some fruit pieces. But look at the fruit again. Endurance and patience. Okay? I want you to be godly. I want you to pursue Christ. I want you to get all you can for Jesus. And what, what's it going to look like? You're going to be patient. You're going to endure. You're going you're gonna to be at Macav. You're going to come here and you're going to go, oh, this is so cool. And then after two months and three months, people are going to, you know, slam the door in your face. You're going to be neighboring. People are going to be apathetic. You know, you're going to have issues with this person in the body, issues with that person in the body. You're going to be fighting hard. You're going to be getting Christ, building character, seeing character change, experiencing Jesus. But it's not going to be fun. And you're going to have the tendency to say, you know what? We tried that real community, raw, in the hood stuff. It didn't work out. We got to bounce. We go, this, 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 this is do church as usual. Do church as usual. Why does it have to be this intense? These people are so intense. Discipleship and Bibles all over the place and people calling the scripture and convicting, telling me I need to apologize all the time. Why do they have to be so intense? I'm going somewhere where they don't ask me about nothing. I make my money. I can get a good sermon. I can bar. I can do whatever I want to do and have absolutely no accountability. Why not just do that? Why don't we just play games? Why am I going to fight and be here? Because you have endurance, family. Because Christ is giving you endurance. And he's saying when you pray this, he says, I'm going to continue. To give you endurance and patience to deal with each other continuously, to care for each other, to fight for each other. He says, that's what happens. And like, notice this. Notice this, guys. He says you get all power here. Guess what? He says you don't get all power, right, by someone praying and smacking you in the head and you bouncing around like a guppy on the floor. There's none of that. I want us to, I want us to come to grips with the reality of what Christ wants us to, to get. And that is, we're going to always struggle, guys. Is Jesus Christ enough? Is Jesus Christ enough? That's going to be the struggle. But this text is saying, he's praying for these people to see Christ is enough. He's all. He's what fills us. The hope in the crucifixion, our murdered Savior, and the resurrection, our glorious King, is enough to bring us through life. To fill us, to help us understand what joy truly is, and to take us home. How do you apply this? How do you apply this text? Are our prayers Christ-centered like this, guys? Are we praying like this as a body? I pray that we would, we would repent. 
And that we were saying, let's pray like this. Let's pray for each other, guys. Are you kidding me? You guys know the kind of spiritual attack we are in this community as we neighbor. Let's pray like this for each other. Pray like this for your leadership, please. Pray for us as we graciously lead you and have absolutely no clue what we're doing. Don't get mad. Pray for us. Do you pray for each other? you pray for your leadership? Are you passionate about learning orthodoxy, guys? Are you passionate? Are you scared? They don't think we're a stuff eater. Man, I want you, people talking crazy, take them to the text. Help me understand. I hear you saying that, but here's the description. Here's this prayer. Can you process that with me? It seems one of the mandates that Paul sees he could have prayed anything. He begins the scriptures by saying, man, blown away by your love. Now let's pray. And he focuses his prayer on them being filled with Jesus. Makes sense to us. But what's interesting is how you feel with Christ. Is Christ enough? If you um, are here and you've been coming and you've been, you know, been encouraged and like, man, well, I want to, I pray that you would dive in. That you, we, that's why we disciple. That's why we have discipleship relationships. That's why we have our mat groups. That's why uh, we do all that we do so that men and women in this local community could be experienced the fullness of Jesus. And I'm begging you, if you are not being discipled right now, if you're not in a relationship, if you're not locking arms with anybody, lock arms with this community so that you can be about the business of Christ. Because we got a lot of crazy stuff. We're nutballs. One thing I'll tell you is we love Jesus. And we want to point you to the gospel. And I tell you, that's not a hard sell. People hear that and actually go, well, no, actually, I want to encounter Jesus. Remember, I want the gospel with no cost. Um, I'm praying that you'll be encouraged. The people of God here, if you're fighting in this community, be encouraged what God is doing as he is filling us to have the endurance and the patience and the fruit of the Spirit, to try to be faithful here. But I ask us to do some, do some inventory checking. Every person, every person in our, in our local body, and as you go to Magus, wherever you're doing, ask yourself, the contents of this prayer, are those things happening? And is Christ enough? Robin, let me all pray. Yes, sis. Yes, thank you so much. That's right. That's about that's about orthodoxy. Just means like yeah, basically a set of a set of teachings that that a body has considered as true. Okay, and so yeah, are you are you serious about knowing what's true about your faith as a Christian? Thank you, sis. Be encouraged, our gracious King. I pray that uh, we would continue to be inviters uh, because the gospel we're, we're we're by God's grace we're allowing the gospel to go forth. And that we will continue to be unapologetic about what we do and why we do it. Because although it's silly in the eyes of the world and sadly silly in some aspects of evangelical America, I am proposing, I tell you, in five years I've had a lot of people stump out and be mad and this and that and other, but no one has questioned our doctrine. And that's not an arrogant issue, I'm just keeping it real. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, why? Guys, let's pursue Jesus. Let's be filled with the Lord. Let's see Christ as all in all. Bow your heads.